This month, our Adult Sunday theme has been In His Likeness and In His Image. And this is our second week on this, and I am so excited about God taking me to be in His image. In fact, it's unbelievable. I don't think we as human beings truly understand what it is Jesus said. And I mentioned it last week, but I, I, I don't know if we can really grasp it. He said when he was praying in John that they may be one as we are one. Think about that. Jesus and the Father we know are identically one. And Jesus said that we should be one in the same way that he and the Father are one. Think about that. That seems impossible. It does seem impossible that you, me could be so much like Jesus. Amen. But that's what he's telling us, that we were created to be in his image and in his likeness. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm still a thousand miles away. But I'm not where I started either. I'm not where I started. I have a long way to go to be in his image and his likeness. But I'm not where I started. I've taken a few steps off of of the start starting line. I'm not back there where they said go. I still have a ways to go. Amen. I still have a ways to go, but I'm not where I was. It's God's plan that we be like him. Any of you have children? Maybe not deliberately, but it is your plan that your children uh, should in some way look like you, right? They see somebody said, boy, he looks the dead stamp of his father. I see his mother's face in in her. You see, God has called us to look like who we come from. Amen? Let's think about that. God has, let me say it again. God has called us that we should look and be like who we say we come from. If we say we are from God, then there's some things that we should exhibit. Number one is love. Number one is love. Number one is grace. Number one is peace. Because they're all the same level. You can't subtract any of these things from God. Amen. In Romans 8.29, he says, For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Wow, that's, that's, that's a scripture you could meditate upon. He says, Them he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Jesus was the first begotten. But the Bible says that he brings us also to the Father. He says that if you will come through him being the door, he can bring us to the Father. He has made us fellow heirs and joint heirs. That means we get adopted into the heavenly family. And that we, God has predestinated, or his plan is that we be conformed, that we start to look like our father. You know, people who live together, they start to look a bit, even, even married people. They have no real blood, but there's something about them that they almost kind of look the same. <laughs> That's exactly what God wants us to do. When Moses came off the mountain, they knew he had been in God's presence. Why? He glowed. <laughs> he shined. He had a little bit of the Shekinah glory. When you leave here today, I hope that people notice you've been to church. 
You have a little bump in your step. You have a little joy because the word has gotten into your soul to deal with some of the issues that we are going to certainly face. Soon as tomorrow morning wakes, up, wakes us up, there's going to be issues. <laughs> there's going to be some tribulations. There's going to be some things that come that want to depress us to take away our joy. And so today is where we get to be conformed to his image through the word. Amen. It says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. Now, I know that sounds like God is picking people, right? It says, for whom, did, whom God foreknew, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. So my question to you, who is it that God did not know? So you know what that means? <laughs> he wants all of us to be conformed to the image of his son. But this has to be a choice. He's not going to force you. He can't force you because he wants you to be like him and love is most definitely a choice. You can't force love. You can do all you want to show love, but if it's not reciprocated, there's nothing you can do. And Jesus did all that he could do to show that he loved us. Most of the time, though, we look at other things and we, we, we take the things that uh, are hurtful to us and we magnify them and say, well, God, if you cared about me, why did this happen or how did this happen? And we don't look at other things because there's some things that God is not going to interfere with. He's not going to interfere with your choice. Amen. But for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. To be, I, I know I'm dwelling on this because it boggles my mind. Because the question, as I said, is who is it that God did not know about? He knew about Everybody. So this is not God saying, I'm picking and choosing certain people to be my favorites. No. He's saying, all. Jesus said, I would that all be saved. He looked on Jerusalem and he wept. When he came to Jerusalem the last time before he was going to be arrested, he looked at Jerusalem and he looked at all them thousands of people who had come for the Passover. Maybe, maybe it was up to the hundreds of thousands of people because it was Passover. And he looked at all those people in the city and he knew what was going to happen to them. He knew the, the th hundreds of thousands of them, of them were going to be crucified by the Romans. He knew the city was going to be burned. He knew all of those people, most of them were going to be taken into slavery. And he looked at them and he said, you didn't know the time of your visitation. The time when I would have gathered you as a hen gathered her chicks. If they had only accepted him that time, they could have avoided all that was to come. If only sometimes we could be aware of the moment that God is speaking to us and trying to say, listen, will you listen to me? I see some danger. I see some things. Will you listen to me today, this minute, this hour? If only we could tell when God was trying to help us to show us his love. Paul in Romans says, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son. That he, Jesus, might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now, all of you should know the verse that comes before this. Romans 8, 28. And it says, and we know that all things work together for good. To them that love God and are the called according to his purpose. Amen. 
So we're studying today in his image and in his likeness. As I said, that's what God wants us to be. And he is gracious enough and loving enough that as soon as we start the journey, he declares us perfect. It's as if we've already achieved, though we're still on the, on the path. As long as we don't quit, as long as we get back up, as long as we keep trying, God continues to declare us perfect. It's like those ugly babies that are born, you know. <laughs> and the mother is saying, oh, how beautiful. How, how, isn't she beautiful? And maybe all you can do is nod. <laughs> you see, we're that ugly baby. We're that ugly baby. And the moment we are born, God declares us his child and perfect. The devil may not agree. <laughs> he may say, but can't you see how much mess that baby's doing? How much they, they cry all the time. They're always needing your help. True. But you know what God's answer is? This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I pointed out last week that the voice said that before Jesus had even begun his ministry. Just the fact that he had symbolically taken the journey of being baptized. Just as we do. It's not what you have achieved. It's all about his love. And if you can believe that, you can get through a lot of stuff. If you can believe that God still loves you, you can get through a lot of stuff. Amen. Last week, we talked about the first image and how God created Adam to be that person and how through sin and disobedience, the image was marred. He lost that covering. He was no longer a son of God, but a son of man. And this week, we're going to talk about the full dimension because when you think about an image, you think about something two-dimensional when you look at a shadow, but there is a fullness to God's image that is revealed in Jesus Christ. He came to show us the full dimension of what a son of God is. And when you look at the New Testament, you look at the Old Testament, you begin to see that. He, his disciples said, why don't you call down fire? Now, be honest, there have been many times when you'd like to call down fire on some people. <laughs> right? There have been times when if we were God, we would go, Psh. That's enough of you. <laughs> the disciples said to Jesus, hey, listen, look at how they're treating you. They're insulting you. Why don't you call down fire on them? Just like Elijah did. But that was not the image God came to show. All the pe people who tried to be the image of God before that had a defect. You know, some of them had good parts. Abraham was full of faith. But he still had a defect, right? There was a time when he still didn't trust God. He told, told the, the, the king that she was my sister. You know, God overlooks our defects if we will keep on that journey. So all of the people who tried to be the image were two-dimensional. But then comes Jesus, who is the full dimension of the representation of God. And the first thing we see about Jesus was his kindness, his grace, his mercy, and his love. Nobody would have died at that wedding if they, if they ran out of wine. 
It wasn't, it wasn't an emergency. Mer- yes, yeah, somebody would have been embarrassed. But think about what his first miracle was. It wasn't to raise someone from the dead. It wasn't to do anything but to take off some embarrassment. That shows you God cares about even the smallest things in our lives. If we will give it to him. If we trust him. His mother said, whatever he says, do. Could we say that? Whatever you say, God, I'm going to do. But. There's always a little catchphrase, but. Lord, can I, can I do this first? Or can I go here first? Or there's this I want to achieve first. But today we want to look at the full dimension of what Jesus Christ is. And then next we're going to look at the false image. There's a lot of false Antichrist images out there. And then lastly, we're going to look at the last image. Genesis 1.26, and we always start that way. This is a little bit of review. It said, and God said, let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion. As I said last week, we've lost dominion. We don't have that control over, first of all, ourselves. Right? You think you're in control and then someone says something to you. And you just feel that anger or whatever it is rise up. See, that shows you you don't really have dominion anymore. See? So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth and subdue it, and have dominion. There's that word again. And I pointed out that... Nine chapters later, after the flood, when Noah came out of the ark, God said almost the same things, but to prove to you we had lost dominion, that wasn't one of the words. He said, be fruitful, multiply, but no longer dominion. Because the Bible tells us in Romans, to whomsoever you yield yourself servant to obey, his servant you become. Right? If you start obeying Satan, you become his servant. That's what happened to Adam and Eve because they did what he told them to do. They lost dominion. And because sin is a genetic defect, we are born in the same way. David said, I was born in iniquity and shaped in sin. That's because we're born without the spirit covering. That's why we have to be what? Born again. When we're born again of the water and of the spirit, we get back that spirit covering. But it's only now covering our soul. It's not the full thing yet. We're waiting for that last thing, which is the redemption of the body. We're still walking around in this somewhat defective body. And it gets more defective the older you get. I'm supposed to be an encouraging message this morning. Sorry. Sorry. Amen. It's encouraging because this is not it. As I said at the funeral yesterday, this is not it. If this was it, as Paul says, we could be of all men most miserable. If this was all to life, if this trouble and trials and things we go through was it, and then we just died, we could shake our fist at God and say, you're not fair, God. But this is not it. This is not it. This is just the birthing progress. Because in Romans it says, and all creation groaneth and travaileth. What it's referencing to is like a woman. See, having a child, I'm so glad I'm not a woman. But I've heard it's pretty painful. 
For some women, for some women, not all. Um, Brother Chris's wife seems to have no problems. <laughs> she, she, she does it in about an hour, right? I don't think any of her, but my wife, my first son was 24, 21 hours in labor. And, and I, of course, was just standing there like, didn't know what to do and couldn't do nothing. So what we're going through is the labor. This is not life. This is not what God called this earth or designed this earth to be. This is just the birth pangs. So the first image that God created, again, his intent was that we be truly his son. And so that his glory could rest in us. For man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and the glory of God. Now, most of us men, we don't look too much like God's glory and his image right now. I don't have a six-pack, never had a six-pack, probably will not get one. <laughs> kind of a little bit short, not going to be a basketball star. <laughs> I could go on, but to, TMI, right? TMI. <laughs> but believe me, the Bible says that we're going to be changed. In a moment. <laughs> Sister Brownie blew me some kisses. She still loves me. Well, after 45 years, I guess that proves it then. <laughs> Amy, you know what's happening? She's seeing me as she thinks I am. <laughs> See, that's how God looks at us. He's looking at you as the object of his love. The one he died for, the one he suffered for. And he still loves us. Bible says, though, that there's going to be a change. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we shall all be changed. Because just as Adam was, I believe, the perfect human specimen of a man, so I believe Eve was too, because as I've told you, God can only do his best. He, he can't even do second best. He can't deliberately do anything less than his best. So we've come a long way from what God called us to be. But there is hope. The Bible says we shall be changed changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye and this mortal is going to put on immortality you won't see me with all the wrinkles and whatever else is going wrong with me i'm going to be glowing <laughs> i won't see you you're going to be glowing too you're going to be covered with the glory of god the bible tells us and i'm going to say it every week because the bible says when we see him we shall be like him doesn't that, doesn't that blow your mind? It blows my mind. We shall be like, for we shall see him as he is. The very glory of God is going to come and dwell upon us. God showed his plan so many times in the Old Testament. When Solomon built the temple and dedicated it, and they offered all those prayers, what happened? The glory of God came down. And filled the temple. They couldn't even come near. The Bible says, knowing not that you are now the temple of the living God. And if we would seek God, if we would try and come close to him, that same glory would come down and fill our temple. You know, Satan would have to stay ways away. He wouldn't be able to come too close because the glory would, would disturb him. Amen.
Romans 8.18 says, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Last night I was looking at some pictures of the earthquake in, in Turkey, in Syria and in Turkey. And I was thinking about those poor people and I'm sure maybe there's a good majority of them and, uh, that are listening to Satan's lies. See, if there was a God, why would this happen? There was a really, really sad picture I saw of a, of a man sitting on some rubble and holding a hand. I don't know if you saw that picture. And it was of his daughter. And all you could see was the hand coming out of the rocks. She, she was already dead, but he, he wouldn't let go. Do you think God is a God of love would cause such a thing? No. What you're looking at is natural evil. This is a fallen world with fallen spirits that hate mankind. In Genesis 3.16, God made it plain. He said that there would be enmity between your seed and the seed of the woman. Satan hates us. Why? Because we were created in God's image. He didn't like that. He wants to be just like God. He wanted to be the image of God. He wants to be the false image. We're going to deal with that in the lesson to come. Listen to what Romans 8.18 says. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time, and yes, there are sufferings. There's people who have lost all kinds of friends. I said at the funeral yesterday that if you live long enough, you're, you're going to lose someone that is close to you. If you live long enough, someone that is close to you, you're going to feel some pain. Paul is saying, listen, because this is not all there is to life, because this is not the end of it, but the beginning of it, the, the sufferings are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed. Yes, people have gone through all kinds of things. But if you were to live a hundred years and you were locked up in a prison in solitary confinement for a hundred years and all you were fed was bread and water, that would be a terrible, terrible fate, wouldn't it? But if you were let out after that for a thousand years in paradise, 10,000 years, 100,000 years, a million years, eternity, what percentage would that hundred years, it would, it would pale away to nothing. See, it would pale away to nothing. What I'm trying to tell you, Paul is saying here, no matter what we have been through, if you believe, let me say it again, if you believe, if you absolutely believe that God is good, that God is love, and that what you see in this world is a fallen world. It's not his doing. In fact, the Bible says that he can only give good gifts. What you're seeing is the choices of people turned evil. What you're seeing is the choices of fallen spirits that are evil, not God. You say, well, why doesn't he do something about it? Well, he will do something about it. But he can't do something about it right now because he has to allow your choice. He has to allow choice to be fulfilled. Amen. It says here, it's not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The elders which are among you, I exhort you, and I'm also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. Here's Peter says, I'm also a partaker of the glory 
that shall be revealed. Amen. All of this is review. We're going to come up to the, to the lesson now. Dimensions of the image. Because the Bible says that God is the express image. Jesus is the express image of the invisible God. The, 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 the only God you're going to see in flesh is Jesus. John 4.24 explains why God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. It takes both. It takes both. We can have truth, but we don't have his spirit. It's still not going to work. It's, it takes both truth and being worshiping in the spirit. Amen. Now, the dimensions, when we talk about dimensions, if you talk about a line, it only has one dimension. And you talk about uh, an area that has two dimensions. But if you want to talk about something that's in its fullness, it's got to have at least three dimensions. And that's what Paul in his letter to Ephesians spells out. We're going to be focusing on this today. Here's what he says. Ephesians 3.17 That Christ may dwell in your hearts. How? By faith. You have to believe that. That he being rooted and grounded in love. Again, that's the key. If you're not rooted in love, some of the things that happen in your life is going to just blow you away. Blow you away because you won't be able to understand it. You won't be able to deal with it. See, you could not persuade me that my wife doesn't love me. You could say, she said this, and I would, I would go in one ear and out the other. See, we have to get to the point we're, per, we're persuaded that God loves us. So when the devil comes and says stuff, it comes in one ear and goes out the other. No, devil, you're not going to persuade me. No matter what happens to me, God still loves me. You see, that was Job's key to success. He said, no matter, you know, his children get killed. His children get killed. His, his wealth goes. The people come and steal all his stuff. And the way it sounds, it sounds like it's God because the servant said a, a, a tornado came and wrecked the house where they, sounds like God did it. His friend said, God did it. You must be doing stuff. But you know what? Job, the Bible said he never charged God foolishly, but he kept his integrity. You know what? Somehow he must have believed. And the proof that he believed is this. Here's what he says near the end. He says, I know I know that my Redeemer liveth. Now that shows you how much he believed. His children have all been killed. His, his, his cattle have all been taken. His wealth is all gone. He's now sick. And then his wife is telling him, why don't you give up? <laughs> why don't you just give up? It's obvious God doesn't love you. He said, you speak as a foolish woman. <laughs> he, Job's barrier. Job's fence was his faith. Satan thought if he could get rid of everything, God, you take away your protection from him, he'll curse you to his face. What, what Satan didn't understand is there was something that was strong within Job that he couldn't take. He could take his children, he could take his wealth, he could take his health, but he couldn't take his faith. And that's why it's so important, so important to not let your faith fail. Things will come. Bible says offenses will come. Amen. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith, that he being rooted and grounded in love. 
May, then you will, now here's the thing. If you have faith in your heart, you're rooted and grounded in love. Now this is when you will begin to see the full dimension of the image. Listen to this. That you may be able to comprehend. What does that word mean? Understand. Do you understand? Once you're grounded in love and you have faith in your heart, then you will be able to understand some of the things that are happening. That you may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breath, the length, and the depth, and the height. You understand you're not going to be able to understand these things that happen in your life if you're not rooted and grounded in love and faith does not dwell in your heart. This is how we, 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 we progress into his image. We have to have faith in our hearts and be rooted and grounded in the fact that God loves me. Satan. <laughs> you got to just stick your tongue out into him and say. Not listening to you, not going to hear it. It's that little, little song we sing in Sunday school. Jesus loves me. This I know. For the Bible tells me so. Doesn't matter if someone else doesn't love me. The Bible says even if your father and mother would forsake you. He would not leave you. You will not be able to understand that though. If first you don't have faith in your heart. And your belief is rooted and grounded in the fact that God loves you. Then verse 18 gives you the answer. Then you may be able to comprehend. You'll begin to understand a little bit. With all the saints, what is the breadth, the length, and depth, and height? Ephesians 4.13 says, explains to us, this is a journey. We don't understand everything at once. It doesn't all make sense when we're on the journey. Sometimes you're in the valley and you can't see over the next hill. You don't know what's over there. All you're commanded to do is keep walking. Keep going. Do not give up. Do not stop. Do not turn back. Do not get off the path. Just keep going. When you cross over, you'll be able to look back and say, oh man, I saw now where I came from. I saw now how I got through there. Wow, <laughs> that's amazing how I was able to get through that, that situation. When you're going through it, you can't see the other end. You can't see the exit because you're down in the valley. But as they say, it's the valleys where things grow. Isn't it? That's where things grow, not on the mountaintop. It's nice to be on the mountaintop and seeing everything, but that's after you've had the victory. That's after you've crawled up the side. That's after you've overcome. But it's in the valley is where they plant things. It's in the valley where there's the growth. But it's also in the valley where you can't see how you're going to get out of this. Till we all come to the unity of the faith and the measure. Remember, he's talking about breadth, length, depth, and height. The measure to understand the full dimension of the image. The knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man. And unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Some of us uh, are like some of the Old Testament people. All we got is one facet. You know, some people have great faith. Some people like Moses, he, had, he was a humble man. The Bible said there was not a man that was meeker than him. But even he had his limits. After two million people kept on whining and complaining and whining and complaining and whining and complaining. For years and years and years. Finally, he snapped. <laughs> Finally, he snapped. And it was a bad time to snap. Satan will push us and push us and push us till he can get us to fall off the edge. 
And he got angry and, 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 and hit the rock twice. You know, that's what Satan's job is, to make us snap. Get us to take away our peace. Bring circumstances into our lives that will try us. But if we will remember what I'm saying today, that the image starts with faith in our hearts and being rooted and grounded in love. We're going to look at each of these dimensions as called out now in Scripture. Okay? The breath. What does that mean? Well, I look at that as being the knowledge. The knowledge. That Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith and being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints the breath. The Bible says that we should come to the knowledge. And that's the, the breath. That's the dimension of when we understand, we know. If you know someone, you will know when someone tells you different about their actions. So if someone says something that I know is not in the character of my wife, I'm not going to believe them. That's the when we know God. When you look back at what He's done for, when you know that you know, you will have the breath of the image. Amen. The second one is the length, and I liken that to patience. This is a race that's a marathon, not a sprint. I was talking with someone about that this morning. I forget who. Somebody mentioned that to me. This Christian journey is not a sprint. It's not like a hundred yard dash. And you, because if you try doing that, you'll burn out. You got to pace yourself. You don't, you don't go a hundred miles an hour because the race is not a hundred feet. This is a, a marathon. You got to pace yourself. So, it takes patience. The Bible says to run this race with, with patience. Many times we pray for things. Many times there's things we want. And this is my problem. I get impatient. You know, I'm very impatient. I like to just have things when I want it now. <laughs> give me patience and give it to me now. <laughs> See, but that's not the image that God has called us to. He wants us to run this race with patience. Part of the image is length. And that really models patience. There may be something you want God to do. Be patient. They that wait upon the Lord, He shall renew. And then they shall mount up with wings as eagles. Abraham had to wait 25 years for the son he wanted. Right? Israel had to be 400 years in Egypt before God said, okay, it's time. But you know, God had a plan and a reason why they were there. I'll have to teach that on a Tuesday night. God has a plan. You have to trust him. You have to trust him. You have to trust him. And that trust again comes from love. Love. What is the breadth, the length, and the depth? What's the next thing? Is the depth. And I like that to love. Because love is deep. This is part of the image of God is that you have to understand God's love goes beyond our little puny human understanding, our little comprehension of what is love. My father used to tell a story about a married couple who were married about 40 years, and this was in the time of the horse and buggy, and they were riding together. And she finally says to him, Hey, Jake, you know, you don't tell me you love me anymore. He says, Well, I told you 40 years ago, and if I change my mind, I'll let you know. <laughs> When last did you just tell God you loved him? <laughs> when last did you just tell God, I love you? Not because you wanted something, 
but just because you love him. When last? Love is deep. Love endures. You know, Corinthians, is it 13, the love chapter? We're going to look at some of the... I'm just giving you the headings right now about the image. An image has to have dimensions to be real. Or else it just stays as an image. I'm talking about the reality of the image of Jesus. We're going to run out of time. The height. And I liken that to faith. Because you have to reach up and grab onto some things. So let's start with with knowledge. Philippians 3.10. Here's what Paul says. And now this was at almost at the end of his ministry. After he'd been ministering years and years. This is what he says. That I may know him. This is not a destination. You don't come to church, get baptized, and then you sit down and you say, I've arrived. No. This is a journey. Here's Paul after 30 years saying, I want to know more. I want to know more. He says, oh, that I may know him. You have to have a desire to continually know the image, to become the image, right? You have to have a desire to know God, to become more like him. He says, oh, that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. Now, this one boggles my mind because at this stage, Paul could boast that he'd been shipwrecked three times, whipped five times, Stoned a bunch of times, left for dead, um, spoken against, beat up. And he's saying, and the fellowship, what more sufferings does he want? (laughs) That's what he's saying, that the power, and that I may know the fellowship of his sufferings. I guess he hadn't yet been crucified. I guess he hadn't yet been beheaded. That was coming. Being made conformable unto his death. He was saying, listen. I'm willing even to die. I'm going to be just like you in that I'm willing to die. And the question does come, if you, do you love him enough that you would die? I remember in 1980 or 82 when uh, President Reagan was coming out some buildings and some crazy guy started shooting. And the FBI agent dived in front of the president to take the bullet. He got shot. Would we, would we do that? Here's Paul saying, being made conformable unto death. You know, we say we love God and all of this, but then if we're tested, well, <laughs> I don't know about that exactly. <laughs> I'm willing to do this, but, you know, that's a little bit too much there, Pastor. <laughs> That's a little bit too much you're asking me there. Here's Paul saying, being made... He wanted to know him so much, even to the point of knowing that he had died for him. This is the dimension of the knowledge. Another scripture in the Old Testament says this. Um, My clicker here is not working. Let me press it here. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all thy ways, acknowledge him. And then he shall direct your path. And that word acknowledge there means to know. In the Hebrew, it means to know. In all your ways, know God. The more you know of him, then you'll know what he would do. You know, remember they used to have that little badge, this little bracelet saying, what would Jesus do? 
That was a fad for a while. Everybody went around with the bracelet saying, what would Jesus do? Not what you're doing. <laughs> Not what you're doing. That, that only lasted a few years and then people gave up because maybe it was too hard. I don't know. In all thy ways acknowledge him. The more we know about God, then he shall direct our paths. As I said, put up there, Pentecost was not the end. Because on the day of Pentecost, people got the Holy Spirit. That was the beginning. That was the beginning of the journey. And the beginning of the transformation into becoming his image. Amen. So let's look at the, the dimension, the next dimension, which is talked about patience. Romans 8.24 says, for we are saved by hope. That means it's not something we can see. It's something that is to come. Right? But if you have hope, you can be happy even in your horrible circumstance. Because you know it's temporary. As I've used the example at, you know, 3 o'clock on a Friday evening, you start to perk up a little bit in your job because you only got another hour, then you're out of here, you got the weekend. So nothing has changed, you're still at work, but your spirit starts to change. Why? You got a hope now. Just one more hour, I'm out of here. (laughs) This is the nature of hope. It doesn't mean that your circumstances change, but your spirit and and your attitude is now changed. See, God can help us change us without changing our circumstances. That, that, I think, was the whole point of the book of Job. To show Job that he wanted Job to change before his circumstance changed. Most of the time when we are praying for God to change stuff, it's us that need the changing. It's us that need the changing. Lord, take this person out of my life. They're just a jerk. They're pain. God wants us to be able to learn patience. Maybe it's us that needs the changing. For we are saved by hope. But hope that is seen, that's no longer hope. Come and sit in my invisible chair. (laughs) I've had no takers. I don't know why. You just don't have no faith. (laughs) One of these days I'm going to rig up an invisible chair here. Amen. But hope that is seen is not hope. You don't need hope if you can see it. For what a man seeth, why doth he yet hope for it? But if we hope, and here's the condition, for that we see not, then we do with patience. That means we're growing in that dimension. That means we're growing in that dimension of the image of Christ when we have patience because we trust him. As I told you before when I was eight, and I I kept on wanting a a bicycle, or it was a train set, and I kept on asking my parents for a train set, and the moment they said yes, Then it was not a matter of if, it was when. I could rest now because it's going to happen. See, God has already told us he loves us. So, and he's told us he's going to fulfill our, he wants us happy. He wants us blessed. If he doesn't give it to us right away and he has said, yes, all you have to do is wait. Scripture said, I waited patiently. This is growing into the dimension of that image. Amen. It's the capacity to accept or to tolerate delay. Now, that's something I have to really work on. That's what patience is. The ability to accept delay or suffering without getting angry (laughs) or upset. (laughs) Ooh. (laughs) You know, most of us get frustrated. and, And we snap on other people. Isn't it? That's what happens. 
when we get frustrated, we, we tend to take it upon, you know, the dog comes in, we kick the dog, slam the door. <laughs> you know, because we're, we're upset because whatever didn't happen or, you know. But that's not patience. We're waiting, but we're not waiting patiently. Don't think that's growing in the image. But when we can wait and say, blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name. Think about what Job said, despite what happened. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name. Now that's waiting patiently. That's the dimension that we need to grow in. Amen. That's the dimension we need to to grow in. Patience with others is love. Right? Patience with self is hope. Patience with God is faith. Let me say that again. Remember that. Patience with others. When you have, it's because you love them. Patience with your own self is hope. Your hope. Patience with God, waiting on God, is faith. It's as simple as that. If we can grow in those dimensions, we're getting closer to being in the image. Here's the scripture, Isaiah 40, verse 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall, not may, if, shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Amen. I'm running out of time. Let's go to the next dimension, which I said was depth, which is love. John 13, 35. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have loved one for another. I remember many years ago that my former pastor used to say, and I told you this before, you couldn't be a good pastor if you didn't love people. So I said, okay, that lets me out. <laughs> he, he said, you can't be a good pastor if you don't love people. And I was just honest with myself. I don't, don't love everybody. <laughs> you know, but I tell you what has happened. God has changed my heart. I can, I can honestly say God has changed my heart because even people who in my flesh I would not really want to be around or hang around with, I can tell you that as a pastor now, I, I have a love for them. I, I, see, I see what's happening in their lives and, I, and it pains me. And before I would say, okay, you made those choices, you made that mess, you, you know, you deal with it. But I can tell you when he first said that many years ago, I would I'd say, okay, Lord, that means you haven't chosen me. That's, that's okay, that's fine. But you see, if we're going to grow in that image, this is part of the image of, of Jesus. He, he made his friends with all kinds of people. He ate with sinners. He ate with prostitutes. Not that he was approving what they were doing, but he was showing God's love. He was showing, he, he went around with all the worst kind of people, not to condemn them, not to, to, to tell them how much better, but to show his love. This is how we grow in that dimension. The depth of a Christian is how much love, true love, not fake love now. Oh, I love you. No. <laughs> no, love is an action. <laughs> love is an action, not just some words, right? And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Love is not shown through money. 
you know, it's not shown through money. We see that young man came to Christ and he had all this money. And the Bible says that Jesus looked at him and loved him. God's love is not strong enough by itself to save you. Let me say that again. God's love, no matter how much he loves you, will not save you. I know that's a radical statement. But as I've said so many times, love is like a chain. It can't push you. It can only pull you. But for it to pull you, you know what you have to do? You got to hold on. If you hold on, if you hold on, if you hold on, God's love can pull you out of any situation. See, we see this story of after the, after the resurrection and they're, they're going to the temple and they see this man begging and he's thinking love is money. He wants you to show him love by putting some money in his cup. Acts chapter 3 verse 6, And then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I unto thee. In the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. I'm going to finish with this one. We haven't finished this lesson, but the, we're out of time. Mark eleven twenty two. The dimension of faith. Jesus answering said unto them, have faith in God. Really, that's so entwined with love because, as I said, you can't have faith in someone if you don't really trust them. And, and trust is born because you love them. Amen. Romans 4.17 says, As it is written, I have made thee... Now, here's what God declares. I told you, it's just like a baby being born. He told Abraham in the past tense, before he had any children, before Abraham had any children, God declared some things about him. As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickeneth, makes alive the dead, and calleth those things which are not as though they are. If you could stand with me, if you could stand with me. We only got to the four dimensions of the image. But this is what God calls us to. We're on a journey so that we can be the Bible says the full measure to the stature of Christ. God wants us to be fully in his image and in his likeness. And if we're on a journey, then don't quit. As Sister Tanya says, don't give up. Don't give up. We have to keep on going. We may mess up. We may fail. We are far from in our own selves perfect. But just as he declared with Abraham, he calleth those things that are not he declared over Jesus before he had started his ministry, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Before Jesus had done one miracle, just the fact of being obedient and taking that step, God declares us his son, his daughter. We're going to close this Sunday study. I hope you've been blessed. I hope you've been encouraged to grow in his image. Amen. Amen. If you could bow your hearts with me. Father, we thank you this morning for your presence and your anointing. Lord, we humbly come before your throne. Lord, we ask for your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness, Lord. Oh God, help us to have that faith in our hearts and to be rooted and grounded in your love that when the storms of life come, Lord God, we will be able to know that no matter what your love covers, we thank you today for your blessing and your grace. Bless our second service, Lord. Let your mercy and your grace and your spirit have liberty to move, to touch, to lift up. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Let's give God a praise offering. Amen.